Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. We took a little bit of a break over the summer because our team at Clayton King Ministries has been running our annual Crossroads Summer Camp. So that means we've spent six straight weeks this summer serving students by helping them feel loved and sharing the gospel. This year, we celebrated 26 years of doing summer camp. We served over 87 groups from nine states, 3,000 students and leaders. We saw 650 professions of faith, 300 commitments to serve in ministry, and we raised $25,000 to support missionaries overseas. That means we took up $25,000 from teenagers and from student leaders to support people in overseas missions. These things are amazing. And I'm not usually a numbers person, but I think unless I tell you some of the numbers of what we've done, you don't quite understand the scope of what we do every summer. Each day of camp, we have two services, which include times of worship through praise and preaching. The messages are always so inspiring. So this year, I'm creating an entire podcast season so that you can hear some of the messages which I know will encourage you. And when you find them inspiring, I wanna ask you to do two things. First, share these podcasts with your friends, family, and people who you think will benefit. Secondly, we have our annual winter conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee for students where you can hear many of the same speakers from this podcast season. The dates this year are January 14 through 17, 2022. So if you're a youth leader, a student, or even a parent with teenagers, we would love to have you. You can sign up today at crossroadswinterconference.com. And if you mention Overcoming Monday when you register, you'll receive a special gift. Also, if you're interested in having Clayton or Marquise or Jacob or me come and speak at your church or event, you can visit claynking.com forward slash speakers and fill out our speaker request form. That's claynking.com forward slash speakers. So, Enough with all the information. Now let's get to the podcast. In this message, my son, Jacob King, an 18-year-old recent high school graduate, talks about living a life of faith in a culture that often makes faith seem difficult. He helps define what faith actually is from scripture, and then he gives practical ways to put faith into practice in our everyday lives. My favorite quote from Jacob's message was, faith is believing in the God who has already won. This was one of the most powerful moments from summer camp because students got to hear a message from someone their own age who has experienced what it's like to be a teenager trying to follow Jesus. Let's get started. Oh, man. I'm going to start crying, y'all. How good is the Lord? We saw over 120 salvations in one night. How much more is he going to do? Open your hearts and ask him, God, what do you want to speak to me tonight? Little tip, if you ask him, he'll probably tell you. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to talk to us about what faith looks like. We've been learning about what it means to be reborn, what it means to be saved by Jesus, and then walk in that life of salvation. And so tonight, I get to share with you guys 
what it looks like to be a faithful Christian, to be a faithful disciple of God. Lord, thank you for tonight. I ask that you would fill this room with your presence. Fill it with your glory. Fill it with your love. We invite you into this place, into this space. Soften our hearts and teach us something new. Satan, you have no hold here. You have no ground in the name of Jesus Christ. I cast you out. Jesus, do what only you can do tonight. I pray all this in your name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to be talking to you guys about faith in the easiest way that I thought I could. Y'all hear that? Is that like bumping? Okay, well, I'm going to try and not blow. Um, the easiest way that I thought I could tell y'all what faith is and what it means to be faithful as a Christian was with a story. I used to live in North Carolina before we moved here uh, six years ago. We, yeah, any North Carolina people? Come on, come on. Uh, we lived in Boiling Springs, North Carolina, a small little town near Shelby, about an hour south of Charlotte. Yeah, come on. Um, and, you know, I was, I was a little bit bigger as a kid. Um, I hit puberty and, you know, stretched. Um, but my mom got really worried. She thought, um, I'm scared for my child. <laughs> Maybe I should put him on a diet. Maybe I should make sure he's active. Maybe we should go on walks and, you know, go to the gym. And for me, 11 years old, I didn't think much of it. I thought I was fine. But my mom was super protective of me. She was like, I, I have to take care of my son, make sure that he's not um, unhealthy. And so one day I'm sitting in the kitchen and uh, probably eating something. And she comes up to me and says, hey, Jacob, would you like to go for a walk? I said, no, not really. I think I'm okay. And she goes, no, Jacob, you want to go for a walk? And I said, oh, okay. Yes, ma'am. So our, our driveway was half a mile long. And we lived in the middle. Is this better? Yeah. Okay. We're going to use this now. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. So anyway, um, my mom was like, yeah, let's go for a walk. And I said, okay. And our, our driveway was half a mile long. So if you, if you walk to the end and back, that's a mile math. Um, and we lived in the middle of nowhere. No one lived close to us. Our nearest neighbor was probably a mile away. And, um, so we start walking and you ever have those moments where um, your stomach starts to rumble? You feel a little uneasy. You start to look for the nearest bathroom. Well, that happened to me, except I was halfway down my driveway in the middle of nowhere. The closest thing to me were trees. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm experienced with going to the bathroom outside. That's nothing new to me. But the problem was it was in the middle of November. So all the leaves had fallen on the ground, and the only thing left was pine straw. And I'm not going to clean myself with pine straw. Um, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, Mama, what do I do? What do I do? And she goes, let's, let's just go back to the house. We can make it back. And I said, okay. So we turned around. Five seconds later, I said, no, I'm not making it back. I'm sorry. I've, I've got to make a pit stop right here. I've got to walk in the woods, and I, I'm going to have to lay a dump right here. I'm sorry. Um, and, and she goes, are you sure? I said, yeah. Um, so I walk into the woods and, you know, no leaves. After I'm done, the only thing that I had was, was what was on me. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I was wearing Crocs. <laughs> so I, I had no socks at my disposal. Um, 
So I use everything else. Anyway, I <laughs> come back. My mom's like, how'd it go? I said, oh, it was good. We're walking back. I'm like, this is the worst day of my life. I'm so embarrassed. This is terrible. This is terrible. My mom's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, Jacob. You got this. I've got you. There's no one here. You're going to be fine. Two minutes later, I hear gravel crunching behind us. I was like, oh, no. I said, Mama, someone's coming. And she said, no, no one ever comes to our house. We live in the middle of nowhere. Who would be here? I said, I don't know, but someone's coming. She goes, don't worry. It's going to be okay. No one's coming. The UPS truck comes pulling up behind us. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is the worst day of my life. Um, and so I, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Mama, what are we going to do? She goes, I'm sure he'll help us. It'll be okay. Don't worry. So he pulls up. He goes, hey, guys, y'all need some help? Y'all going to be okay? And I was like, or my mom said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. And I was like, no, no, we're not. We're not good. Um, and he goes, well, okay, I can, I can take you all back to the house. I know that it's a far, far away from here. I've delivered to your house before. And she said, yeah, that'd be great. And I said, no, that wouldn't. Please, no. And she said, Jacob, just get in the truck. So I got in the truck, and he looks back, and he says, y'all look like you've had fun. And I was like, sure. Um, and he said, I understand. I've got boys. It's okay. I'm, I'm a dad, too. And I said, this has happened to you before? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, long story short, he took us back to the house. And, you know, I'm sitting in the back going, this is the worst day ever. This is terrible. I'm so embarrassed. This is the worst moment of my life. And my mom sat there and said, Jacob, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Jacob, trust me. I'm going to get us through this. Jacob, it's going to be okay. And the reality was it was okay. I got back to the house, and I took a shower. <laughs> I changed my clothes, and I was fine. Faith in God, faith in the Lord, faith in our Savior is the same. When you decide to put your everything in the creator, in the Savior of the world, when you decide to put your own thoughts and desires, your own fears behind you and say, God, I'm going to give you my everything. I trust you with everything. This may be the worst moment of my life, but I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I know you'll get me through it. Help me, God. That is what faith is. And we see in Hebrews 11, if you're taking notes, please take notes. I'm going to have a lot to write down. We see the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11, verse 1, give us a great explanation of what faith is, what trust in our Savior is. Hebrews 11, verse 1, says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see what we hope for is the salvation of our Lord, the joy, the trust, the purpose, everything that he gives us as Christians, everything that we receive in being in a relationship with God, which many of you started Monday night, you can step forward into this life of faith because it is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. We cannot physically see God, but we can see his presence in everything around us. So what is faith? It is knowing that the Lord will provide, that the Lord will protect, that the Lord will save, and the Lord will always be with you and pursue you no matter what, and that he is real. That is faith. So point number one, faith is belief in who God says 
he is. Belief in who God says he is. So if we skip ahead two more verses to Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So look around you. Look to the person to your right, to your left, the ceiling above you, the floor beneath you. This is what the Lord created, and you have to believe that in your heart. It's not enough to just know. You have to believe. You have to trust that the creator of the universe created you for who you are and who you were meant to be, and he has your whole life planned out. And he's standing there, and he's saying, hey, I'm knocking on the door. I'm here. I created you for who you are, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. It's not enough to just know. You have to believe. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. It's not enough to just know in your head. Guys, I did this for so long. I thought I knew God, but I didn't know God. I knew who he was but I was not in a relationship with him. I said, yeah, there's probably a God, and I know who he is, and I know what he's done, but that doesn't concern me. That doesn't apply to me. What if I told you it's not enough to just know in your head, but you have to believe in your heart? You have to believe without the shadow of a doubt that the Lord is good, He created you for who you are, just like it says in in verse 3, and he saved you, and he loves you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. It has to be enough that if your life was on the line, you would say, yes, I put everything on the line that God is real, and he loves me. That's point number one, belief in who God says he is. If you skip, or if you go back, sorry, not skip, we're going backwards. To Matthew 14, we see a great example of what faith in practice looks like. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I know who God is, and I know what he's done, and I know what he's going to do. But it's another thing to actually practice that faith, to say, you know what, I believe that God is my Savior, that he's going to protect me, that he's going to provide for me, but I actually have to put it into practice. So Matthew 14, just after Jesus fed the 5,000 with a couple pieces of bread and some fish, he tells his disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee and he will meet them on the, on the other side. He decides to go and pray to his father and spend personal time with him. And then after he gets done praying, he decides that he's going to go and meet the disciples in the middle of the water. But the problem is he doesn't have a boat. So we see in verse 25, it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I know that we grew up in church, and we decided that that was funny, and that was, like, we could make fun of the disciples for thinking that was a ghost because they recognized Jesus, and they had been walking with Jesus, but the reality is they had never seen anyone walk on water yet. That was a brand new thing, and so These 12 disciples that are sitting in the boat, they see a human figure out on the water. The first thing they think is that's a ghost. They think that can't be Jesus because that's who else would it be? Their first thought is not that's Jesus, but 
Look at Jesus' reply. He says to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. When they are faced with fear, when they are faced with a trial, when they are lacking faith in their Savior, in the provisions and the protection of their Lord, Jesus says, no, 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 it's me. I'm right here. Take courage, it is I. How many times in our life do we forget that Jesus is there right in front of us and he reminds us, no, 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 I'm right here. I got you. I'm protecting you. It's not a ghost. It's me. So we see the disciples in fierce claim that it is a ghost and Jesus say, no, it's me. Don't be afraid. Take comfort in your Savior. He's there. James 4.8 says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He's waiting on you. He wants a personal relationship with you and he wants to draw closer to you. Our courage, our faith is rooted in Jesus in our entire trust in him. Then in verse 28, it says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This is a great example of where our faith is supposed to be applied. We don't just shrink back and say, okay, yeah, I believe that, that Jesus is real. Great, I'm saved. No, Jesus calls us to step out in faith. Peter says, you know what? I don't care that no one has ever walked on water before. I know my Savior's out there, so I'm coming. Jesus, call me out. I'm willing. Tell me what to do, and I will do it. He doesn't say, Jesus saved me. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to lay back. He said, no, I'm going to step into areas of discomfort. I'm going to step into areas where I know that I can't do it on my own, but I know that I can do it because you're with me. I know that I can do it because my Savior is out on those waters. So maybe some of you are facing that today. Some of you, you're sitting in your classroom and you know, you know you shouldn't be talking about that girl, but it keeps getting brought up. But God is telling you to stop. God is telling you to, to stand up and stop gossiping. Maybe God's telling you to pray for one of your friends in your school. That's scary, but it's awesome. And Jesus is standing out on the water saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. He's calling you to step onto the, out onto the unknown waters, something you've never done before. And he says, I will provide, I will protect. I'm here for you, put your all in me. Maybe you feel like someone on your cheer team doesn't know Jesus. And God has been bugging you, has been knocking on your heart saying, hey, share the gospel with her. Maybe it's someone on your basketball team. Maybe it's someone in your class or at work. It's someone that, maybe it's in your own family. Maybe you have to be vulnerable with your parents and you haven't had the strength to because you can't ever feel, you can't feel like you can let them down. But Jesus is saying, don't worry. Take courage as I do not be afraid, I'm there with you. Then Jesus says, come. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When we forget that Jesus is our all, Jesus is our everything, Jesus is the only thing that we can put our faith in, that's when we begin to sink. The wind and the waves, they become bigger and more intimidating when we take our eyes off of the one true Jesus, the one true Lord, the only one you should be putting your faith in. 
If I continue to put my faith in basketball, if I continue to put my faith in popularity, if I continue to put my faith in my grades, if I continue to put my faith in my, in my family, then I will lose sight on who is most important, who is the only one that can protect me, who the only one that created me, who I am supposed to be. That's when I begin to sink. That's when we begin to sink. It's when we forget that Jesus is our savior. Jesus is the one we put our faith in. Then in verse 31, it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I was here the whole time. I know that it was a tough situation. I know that you didn't want it. I know that you didn't like it. I know that it was uncomfortable. But I was there, and you lost sight of me. Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. The disciples saw who Jesus was. They had faith. They had trust in the fact that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And that's why Peter was able to walk out on the water. If Jesus was just any other man, Peter never would have done that. Peter never would have stepped out onto the waters and, and, and walked, like, unlike any other man that had ever lived, any, unlike anyone who had ever lived. He decided, I'm gonna step out on the waters because I know who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, he's my savior. He has come to save me and he's come to save you. Faith is belief in who God says he is. Point number two, faith is belief in what God has done. Faith is belief in what God has done. I'm gonna go down a list of just some things that the Lord has done in our lives, that our Savior has done in our lives. Many times we think that faith is, God, what can you do for me? What can you provide for me in the future? God, I trust you with my everything. I trust you with my all. I trust you with my future. I trust you with you know, my spouse, with my children, my job, my career, my my school, whatever else it is, we think about the future. That's what faith is. But what if I told you it's also about what God has already done in our lives? What if our faith is rooted in what God has already done for you? Because if we look back, if we see what all God has done for us, that strengthens us to help us continue to believe that God will continue to provide, that God will continue to come through. He made everything and he gave us dominion to rule over the earth. He had mercy on us with the flood. He allowed our race, the human race, to survive. He allowed Abraham to have Isaac and then provided a lamb for him when he offered him as a sacrifice. He saved the Hebrews through Egypt from famine, and then he saved the Hebrews from Egypt. He delivered the Hebrews to the promised land and helped them conquer that land. He brought fire to Elijah and water after they faced drought. He brought bears to Elisha and a slingshot to David. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the flaming furnace, and he was with Daniel in the lion's den. He saved Nineveh with a big fish and a coward, and he saved all of us with his blood. What has Jesus not done for us? He is our savior. He is our everything. Stop looking at what he can do for you and look at what he's already done for you. Our faith is not rooted in what Jesus will do, but what he has done. And what has he not done? He died on the cross. He took on the sins of the world. He took on the weight of your shame, your sin, your guilt. He took it to the grave and then he rose again. 
that is enough. If that's where my faith stops, if that's where Jesus stops, that's enough. I'm good. I could die right here and now having faith in that, and, I, and I'm done. I'm good. That is what my faith is rooted in. My faith is rooted in a God who has already won and who is going to continue to win. I love sports. That was a great transition. I love sports. Um, I'm a huge Clemson Tigers fan. Go Tigers. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge LeBron James fan. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, he's a goat. Um, <laughs> so, but the issue with that is I, I love sports. I, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, yeah, let's go. Um, but, but, but the problem is I put so much of myself in sports. Like the Clemson loses to Notre Dame in the regular season. Granted, Trevor was out. We had a lot of our defense gone, but I feel terrible the next morning. I wake up, I'm just distraught. You know, LeBron gets knocked out in the first round of the playoffs this year. It's tough. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to have a talk with a lot of you after this service, but um, I will hold my own. I can argue with a brick wall and win, so be careful. <laughs> um, but he got knocked out in the first round Clemson lost um, in the first round of the playoffs last year we got destroyed by Ohio State that's a reality wow okay I'll be praying for you guys <laughs> couldn't imagine being an Ohio State fan I'm sorry that was mean <laughs> I love you guys I'm sure y'all are great people um, <laughs> but, but when I put all of my faith in sports especially the Dallas Cowboys I am let down year after year after year. I, 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 we just continue to lose. And even when my Clemson Tigers win, that doesn't mean they will continue to win. That doesn't mean that it is a guarantee as soon as whoever steps onto the field or onto the court, they will, they will win for me. They're not doing it for me. But guess who won the ultimate battle? Guess who won the ultimate victory specifically for you? He was up on that cross and he said, you know what? I'm gonna take on your sin. I'm gonna take on your shame. I'm gonna take on the weight that you feel and that you are supposed to atone for. I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna raise again. And that's the greatest battle you will ever see. Ever see. That's the greatest victory that has ever been won. I'm gonna put my faith in that guy. I'm gonna put my everything in that guy. I love Clemson, and I love pulling for them on Saturday nights, but guess what? I love pulling for Jesus because he never loses. I love pulling for my Savior because he's never gonna stop winning, and he has never lost. Faith is belief in what God has done. Point number three, faith is belief in what God is going to do. There was an elementary school teacher in Canada, and his, his name is Everett Storms, and he decided that he was going to try and figure out every single promise that God makes to his people in Scripture. And after like 20 years of reading the Bible, he, he read through it 20-something times, he found, uh, I think it was 
30,000 different promises in Scripture. And then after going back through that, he found 8,810 unique promises. That is, promises that do not overlap, promises that were individual, unique. And so if we want to look at what God is going to do, open this book right here. Read about it. He tells us time and time again, what he has already done is die for us and then raise again so that we may receive salvation. But what is he's going to do is he's going to come back. I want to worship a God that's going to continue to win. I want to worship a God that's going to come back even after he won the greatest battle ever won. I'm going to worship my Savior who promised to come back. And the Savior that made 8,810 other promises. Hebrews 10, verses 36. Oh, I lost my spot. Dang it, I was on a roll. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is what happens when you use, oh, there we go, okay. Hebrews 10, verses 36 through 39. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. My righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who, are shrink, who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We worship a God who is going to come back, and we do not shrink back. We do not say, yeah, I guess I worship a God that, that saved me. I guess I worship a God that's going to come back. No, we go out and we proclaim it. We put our everything in the Lord and Savior that gave his life for us, and I say, God, I trust you with my everything. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my past. I trust you with my present. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my career. I trust you with my children, my relationships. Whatever else it is, God, I'm going to put my everything in you because I know that you're returning. I will not shrink back. I will be bold and proclaim. Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He believed, oh wait, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. Abraham had no idea where he was going, but he knew God was there. He had no idea what was in the land in front of him. There could have been enemies. There could have been beasts. There could have been things that were out to destroy him. But what he did know was his Lord and Savior, his Messiah, his creator was on the other side and he was calling him to it. So Abraham said, yeah, by faith, I will go. Because I believe in you, I trust in you. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who would embrace the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Notice what it says right here. In verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise from the dead. Then in verse 17, it says the promises was, he was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Later we see God sacrifice his one and only son, then raised from the dead so that we may be set free. 
Abraham said, you know what, God? I put my all, I put my everything. I've never seen anyone raised from the dead before. But I think you can. How many more people, how much more has God used through his one and only son, the lamb of God? We see God provide a lamb for Isaac in replacement. God provide a lamb for Abraham in replacement of Isaac in scripture. And then later on, we see God provide the lamb of God, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to take on our sin, to take on our weight. Instead of taking on just one man's sin like Isaac, he took on the weight of the world because he was the perfect lamb. By faith, Abraham said, okay, I trust you, God. I know that you can do anything. And so I'm going to act. I'm going to say yes. And I know that you will provide Hebrews 11, verses 31 through 40, says, By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Faith, a life of faith, a life of a disciple of Jesus, a faithful life is not going to be comfortable, but it's going to be worth it. I guarantee you every single one of these names, every single one of the characters, every single one of the people that lived this out, they may not have had an easy life, but none of them would take it back. Though they faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment, put to death by stoning and sawed into, killed by the sword, they also conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Guys, this life that we are talking about, that we've been talking about for the last three nights, this reborn lifestyle, a lifestyle of salvation and discipleship, it's not easy, but it's gonna be worth it 10 times out of 10. It's not something that you don't have to put effort into, but it's something that you want to do because you get to quench the mouth of lions and you get to conquer nations. Some of you get to experience that already because you already have a relationship with God. Some of you gave your life to Jesus on Monday night, and that is amazing. But some of you don't understand what this life of faith looks like because you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't know who God is. You don't know who to put your trust in because you don't know Jesus. And so tonight, I'm gonna give you that opportunity to respond to God 
to allow him to save you. And so I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. Scripture tells us in Romans 10 and in 1 John 1 that in order to receive salvation from the Lord, we have to repent, confess, and believe. And so I'm about to lead you guys in a prayer. And if you want to start this, this, if you want to be reborn and start living a life of faith, if you want to put your everything, all your trust in Jesus, then I want you to pray this after me. Jesus, I love you. I give you my everything. Save me. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me and then rose again three days later. I invite you into my heart, God. Save me. Now with every head bowed and every every eye closed, I want you to make a public declaration of faith that you just prayed to receive Christ. Romans 10 also says that we must profess with our mouths that we are saved. And so on the count of three, just as an act of faith for you and for me, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to own up to the fact that you are now saved. You just made the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Wow, praise God. Keep your eyes closed and keep your hands up. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? You're scared to raise your hand, but there should be nothing that you are afraid of. You're just owning up to the fact that you know Jesus and you just made the greatest decision ever and we want to celebrate that. So if anyone is now is doubting and doesn't want to raise their hand, is scared to raise their hand, you can do it now. Praise God. All right, you can put your hands down. Guys, you can open your eyes. That was awesome. I have no idea how many people got saved, but it was a lot. And we need to celebrate. Come on. That's, let's go. Let's go. Woo. Wow. Come on. But it doesn't stop there doesn't stop there. We've been learning all week about what it means to be reborn. And so if you just got saved, you just started the race that you will run for the rest of your life. A race that you will love, a race that will be exhausting, but a race that is worth it. So if you just gave your life to Christ, I want you to have a conversation with someone tonight. And I want you to keep your heart open to what the Lord wants to continue to tell you as you 
have fun and have your life changed and go and play epic or play in tournaments or make arts and crafts at the rest of this camp because it's gonna be life-changing. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for who you are. And thank you for what you're gonna continue to do. We love you. Thank you for tonight. I ask that this would not be the end, but the beginning. I pray that you would continue to change hearts, change lives. Help us live faithful lives. We love you, and I pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, I hope today's podcast gave you some little secrets for your big breakthrough. If you are inspired and encouraged by this message, don't forget to check out our Crossroads Winter Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in January 2022. You can find information about this event on our Clayton King Ministries website. Also, our speakers would love to be a part of your next event or speak at your church. You can request a speaker on claytonkinglive.com forward slash speakers. That's claytonkinglive.com forward slash speakers. And finally, please let us know how this podcast has impacted you on our Overcoming Monday Instagram account. You can send me a DM or leave a comment. Thanks for listening. I hope I've given you something to overcome your Monday.